With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live on ACN Track, welcome to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Welcome to another episode of Go Greyhounds, James and Callum. As always, a pleasure to be with you. Hello, Lex. How are you? Lex has got a new haircut. She's up and about today. What? Why did you do that? You always throw me under the bus early. No, not on the bus. Looks good. Oh, thanks, Cal's, guys. Uh, better than cows. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Some good information about racing here in WA. Yeah, indeed. Uh, continuing with this uh, opening up to the public, uh, as of Monday, every single race meeting in Western Australia will be open to the public. So really good news. Um, obviously, it's been a staged reopening, uh, meeting by meeting, but now we can uh, we can have people on course for all of them, which is great, Sunday through to the next Sunday. So, yeah, be, be fantastic stuff. And we're in a really lucky position, aren't we, guys? Obviously, the situations in the other states are... Particularly in Victoria, we do feel sorry for for the, how it's going with those guys over there. So really privileged position that we're able to be as open as we are, and uh, it's great news for the industry that uh, a lot of those owners that uh, we know were interested in those um, those midweeks can now come along and see their dogs race. And some exciting news for you, Callum. That means you can keep going to your regular dating Friday nights at the track. Exactly. Yeah. And more importantly, on Monday. Uh, Lex and I's new dog goes round, so uh, we'll be able to make our way on track. He's off the mark already. <laughs> Not even a couple of minutes in the show, he's already mentioned. No, right, fill us in. Fill the uh, listeners in, Cal, on this greyhound. Uh, it's a dog that's come over from Melbourne. Uh, we bought it from a trainer over there. Has trialled a couple of times over here, and its first runs on a Monday in quite an easy race. So we'll definitely see where the dog's at, and hopefully it can salute and be one from one over here. How are you feeling? Your first ownership well, portion of a greyhound list. Yeah, I didn't expect this to come this year or ever, really. And Callum brought the idea to me and didn't let the idea leave me. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. it nice to be involved, I suppose. Well, you'll be very excited. I'll be interested to get your thoughts after the first time the dogs run and you know, the difference of watching just a normal race as to having a greyhound that you've got an interest in. Or, well, it, uh, it could an be an interesting interest in. start because I've, I've never actually been to the track, so get in there on Monday, watch your own <laughs> dog race. It's kind of start with a bang. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's exciting. Great. Well done, guys. Wish uh, I was part of it, but uh, not to be on this occasion. What about the racing we've got uh, coming up on the weekend? Another couple of big races ahead of us. Well, Friday night's Looks to be my favourite, but you guys seem to have your eyes set somewhere else. <laughs> this race is looking to be, well, I mean, a track record holder in that race. Um, obviously, Flake Manelli in box two for the final, looking to be the hot winner. Yeah, there. absolutely. The Flake Manelli breaking the track record over the 6.47 in last week's heat of the Mandra Middle Distance Challenge. In fact, we might go back and have a bit of a listen to that race right now. Now Flake Manelli gets serious. Out by about seven over Snickers Manelli. Dinah Rosker a chance for second, but Flake Manelli with the blinkers on is far too good. Wins by nine lengths in 36.23 over Snickers Manelli. Dinah Rosker dancing OP runs fourth, just ahead of Dinah Orenthal, West on Violet and Laptop Wizard. And that is 
a record. I've got to say, Ryan Levitsky, wow, he really went hard on that one. I think he, his uh, pulse almost uh, rose uh, calling that Heart track record. That's right. just a little bit. Well, you know, he just needs to calm down, chill out, Ryan. Uh, but, yeah, certainly was an electric run from Flake Manelli. We know what a great greyhound this has been in the staying ranks. Had box one, went straight to the lead track record. The other heat winner was Cindy's Oliver, uh, ran the distance in a time of 36.81. Had a good, tough battle, actually. Th- tough three-way battle between Rockstar Patriot and Goblin Manelli. Cal Flake has box two in the final. So once again, on that inside draw, is this just a repeat performance uh, in the offing here? I think so. Um, obviously, Rockstar Patriots not a good beginner in one, so Flake Manelli should easily get down to the fence, and Dinah Oscar wants to use a bit of the track. So on paper, it looks like Flake should get down to the fence uh, and probably be your early leader, leader. There is a bit of speed in four and five and eight, but a lot of those dogs, especially eight, Snickers Manelli, stay off the fence. So Flake doesn't look to have a lot of early pressure, and we know what Flake can do just soon after the start. Um, be exciting to see Flake hopefully gets to the front and see what time it can produce this week. Cindy's Oliver's been a dog we've... Uh, heard a bit recently, but you're not too worried about this one. No, I was actually disappointed with Cindy's Oliver run last week. Uh, Rockstar Patriot nearly uh, ran it down over the f- uh, six four seven, and has a better draw this week. I expect Rockstar Patriot to beat it in the final, and I think Cindy's Oliver might just be a brilliant five twenty dog, a dog that can run home in really good times over the five twenty. And at this stage, I'm not certain it's a. Uh, I think it's, it could, can get 600, obviously, but I prefer the 520 start for uh, Cindy's Oliver. And I think 715 will have to be a query at this stage. If I had to go into bat for Cindy's Oliver, it uh, was the first run down at the Mandra track and, and over that distance. Uh, started poorly but recovered well. You're right, uh, Rockstar Patriot came at it. Final stage of Rockstar Patriot, as we know, is a very big finish. I don't know. I don't know. I think you might be a bit, bit, a bit harsh on the dog there. But yeah, that's gallon for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree. I think uh, this is Flake's race to lose. Uh, it jumps to the front. It, it just wins. But you also think, Cal, it doesn't have to win. Now, this is controversial. Uh, it doesn't have to lead to win. Yeah. I th- a lot of people obviously have the opinion now that Flake, if he sits behind, uh, she sits behind a dog, then she won't win. But I've actually, in her last couple of runs, seen her navigate the field quite well. So I think if she did sit third or second, uh, she's got a lot of ability on these dogs. I mean, she's the quickest dog in this field by some way. I think she would be able to navigate the first couple and be able to get over the top. All right. Mm. Wait and see. Wait Stay and tuned. see. Rocks I just want to mention before yeah, we go. move on, that the record was uh, the last one. I, you know I asked you this yesterday. I asked Callum about the record. 2011. Yeah, absolutely. Miata, the mighty, the Hall of Famer, one of the best dogs we've ever produced. So Flake Manelli. Erasing that a record that, that that goes to show you how well she is racing at the moment. Well, quick last point on this race, Rockstar Patriot. We did touch on this last week. Great record in finals, so I wouldn't entirely rule him out. Uh, just pulling something out of the hat here. Well, and saying that it was a lot better run last start than he has produced uh, this right. prep. So um, you can't rule him out, but uh, yeah, depends on the race. I think he might be a really good place bet. I think you might get a bit of odds from box one, and I think he's probably close to a certain need to place in this race. All right. Uh, what are we? Most, might be the most exciting race of the weekend. <laughs> Possibly. Right. But what about the one at uh, Cannington on Saturday, this other feature, Lex? Mm, well, I have my heart set on West Ophelia at the moment, and I don't this know why. It, this is in the West, Chase? Yes. I, I, it's just where I'm at. <laughs> okay. Right. I have a soft spot for this dog, and I think you do too. I do have a soft spot for West Ophelia, and I do like it as a value play in this race. <laughs> 
Uh, just talking about the Heat winners here, Steve Manelli continuing on with uh, his fantastic form. Uh, fastest qualifier, 29.79 was uh, his Heat win. Pixie Manelli uh, and Sir Monty were the other Heat winners. So obviously David Hobby once again with a strong hand in this. Cal, Sir Monty, box one in the Heat, did what we expected, ran down... Uh, Mermaid Manelli uh, got box one again in this in the final. Same deal, we think for the final. Um, I don't think so. I think yeah, there's a lot go. more. Here we go. <laughs> I think there's a lot more early speed in this race. I think Semonti is going to get back quite a bit. And you look at this, um, the stats last week on the data base. Semonti down the back was very quick. Now, if there is a lot of dogs in front of him, he's not going to be able to produce that. And therefore, the overall time is not going to be as good. You have the likes of West Alophilia, Steve Minnelli, Historic Time, Pixie Minnelli, all very good beginners and all want the fence. I think that's very important in this race. Um, on top, I've actually gone with Mermaid Minnelli. I think uh, this dog can find an easy, easy lead here. I'll be out in front. I expect this dog to improve on that 30 run uh, around the 30 or two mark last start. If it's running 29.9 around that and you're out in front, you're very hard to catch in a big race. Okay. James shaking his head. Well, no, I. I I th- once again, very good chance to lead this. In fact, a, a likely leader here uh, is Mermaid Manella. Just this schizophrenia that you have about this greyhound, Cal. Like one week you're on, one week you're off. What's going on? Well, I think you have to be adaptable. And I was quite impressed with Mermaid Manelli's run last week, which <laughs> has persuaded me to go with Mermaid Manelli. You're getting ten dollars and uh, two sixty-five to place. I think it's a great bet at those odds. All right, so you're l- looking at the value. So because Mermaid led. Got uh, overtaken by Sir Monty, which had the rails run, which Sir Monty will have again on in the final. Also, was challenged for the lead by Westdale Ophelia, and Westdale Ophelia uh, came uh, over the top of it to run second. Yeah, that's right. So I just like I, I we're backing I, Lex. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, I mean you've gone Mermaid, but because of the value, right? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good chance. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of speed in this race. I think they all want to get down to the fence. Mermaid Manelli doesn't loops around the outside. I think runs around the thirty mark, and we've seen in big races. Danica keeping for a good example, which she talked about last week. The dog not possessed with a great overall ability, but has that lightning early speed that can run really good time in that over the five twenty out in front. You know what you're going to get ten dollars. Good bet. All right, what about Steve Manelli? Must be a chance given the form it's in. Yeah, I. Uh, it's a dog that I don't really have enough. Don't really can never come to because I can never catch Steve Manelli. He stays straight out the boxes, which is good. But there is a lot of early speed in this race, and I think we'll catch Steve out. I think he's a dog that's really good when he leads. I don't think he leads here, so the chances for me for Steve are limited. Agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, well, it's a tough race, and yeah, I. Yeah, I think it's a hard ask for Steve, but look, he's, he's certainly... Done some good things as of late. As of late, he certainly has. Another dog, just quickly, another dog to follow here, um, Historic Time, was best of the night, ran home in 11.22, and he's a dog that's got a plenty of upside. He's still learning his way, and I think if you're looking for a place bet, I think Historic Time's the one. All right, nice. What about, uh, just real quick, uh, we've got Tommy Shelby going around in the Group 1 Vic Peters final in Sydney on Saturday night. That's exciting, isn't it? Very exciting for WA. Obviously, a lot of WA people will be cheering on Tommy Shelby. He's coming with Box 2, which looks perfect. Um, I think the 1 is a big show there. Playlist. All right, yeah. The lit, uh, kennel mate of uh, Catch, Catch the Thief, Thief Brothers, yeah. Yeah, yeah they are litter mates. Okay. Anyway, we'll be going for Tommy there. Comes in as the fastest qualifier. Great heat run. It was from Tommy, and uh, we'll be cheering him on for sure over at Wentworth Park. 
We're going to head to a break. Stick with us, though, because after the break, we have got one of the legends of Greyhound Racing, not just in WA, in the nation, David Simonetti. Live on SEN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Live on SEN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Welcome back to the show. Well, now it was with great excitement that I'm able to introduce uh, one of my favourite people in Greyhound Racing, the president of Greyhound Clubs Australia, David Simonetti. How are you, Simo? Oh, g'day, guys. How are you doing? Good, Simo. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Lex. Simo, you've been around for more than four decades and you must have seen a lot of changes in your time. Four decades? I think someone, your, your script writers are wrong. I'm not, not even that old, Lex. <laughs> James has thrown me on the bus already. <laughs> my, 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 t- my Tinder profile says I'm in my 30s. I can't have 40 years experience in greyhound racing. Come on. That's where I got my information from. <laughs> <laughs> Which way did you swipe? Moving on, let's talk about what you've seen. <laughs> if you see a Simo left, swipe left. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even have a clue what it is. I think it's something that you start fires with. I think something like that. I don't know. You're on the right track. <laughs> well, what about it? You, yeah. you were attended, was it the first or second meeting ever at Cannington? Is that right? No, I should have been the first meeting, but I was grounded because my marks at school were very poor. <laughs> and, and I only was able to attend the second night, but that was in... Uh, well, late December 1974. So, um, and I remember walking in there, and I was with my mum and dad, and I remember walking past the Mr. Whippy Bam. I, I remember that very vividly. And it was like, honestly, there was 14 or 15,000 people there. And it was just crazy. And my mum said, what do you think? And I, I said, this is what I want to do. And I think that's the, probably the first time she realised she'd given birth to an alien. But <laughs> I, was cap- I was captivated from the, from the moment I stepped foot on the track. In, in fact, um, back then in the you know, early 70s, Greyhound Racing was supposed to um, come to Western Australia probably about 1971. So there was a lot of media about when you know, Greyhound Racing was about to kick off, etc. And... All the papers back then, they'd employed full-time journos to write about greyhound racing. Mm. So as an 11-year-old boy, and without the internet back in those days and not having much sporting ability or obviously any school, school scholastic um, capability either, I just used to love reading about dogs. So I was this like little nerd kid that my favourite <laughs> subject on Mastermind would have been greyhound <laughs> racing. I could see myself swinging around in the big chair and being able to ask, answer any question on greyhound racing. So that was my one and only claim to fame. I knew heaps about the dogs even before I set foot on the track. But, yeah, the, the moment I saw them being close up, big crowd, the energy, um, yeah, I was captivated. So, obviously, these days we don't have as big crowds. There's not 15,000 people there. Is there any way we can get the people back to the greyhound, uh, the greyhound track? And do you have any ideas? Well, I think the first thing is to remove James Broadhurst from marketing. I was going to say Callum because... Robson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ouch, ouch. <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's, it's a vastly different world now. I mean, um, back in sort of the late 2000s, we were able to get um, crowds back to the dogs. You know, that was, you know, five or 6,000 people to come along to the dogs on big nights, Perth Cup or, 
you know, like New Year's Eve or, or nights we ran novelty things. But again, they are novelty things. Very hard to sustain that. And the world's different because, you know, with the advent of Sky Channel, which was around about 1998, people can stay at home now. And, uh, you know, the one advantage that um, you had was, you know, Greyhound Racing, where the, you know, when we used to work for Greyhounds WA, it was the only place you could actually see live Greyhound Racing. Well, well, you can, but you can also see it live on Sky, etc. So very difficult to get people back. Um, back then, the strategy was open up the gates, make the value something that the, the punter couldn't ignore. It was like too, made too good a sense to come along. So basically feed them for as cheap as you possibly can, let them have the best night for as cheap as you possibly can, but there's a lot of expense that goes into that and a lot of resources that goes into something that is a free event. And, look, I, I personally believe we can get people back, but probably not on the, on the basis that they were getting people coming to the track every night that they raced with 15,000. I remember going to clearance trials. So they used to have to show that the dog was, had the ability to go around the track okay and they would get 3,000 people to public trials and clearance trials just during the week, during that early, you know, early one or two years of greyhound race. It was, it was crazy. And times have changed, but hopefully we start to see bigger numbers to the crowds, uh, to the tracks now that it is open to the public. Well, I can tell you the numbers have picked up over the last couple of weeks, yeah, for sure. Well, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well done, James. It's a dad joke. Anyway, Simo, we, it's come up a couple of times on this show. Callum says Derby, James and I say Derby. What's your where, where do you sit with well, that one? Now that we've established your authority as the leading uh, figure in in greyhound racing in the world, uh, I'm of the I'm of the Simo school. So uh, uh, yeah, but we do want to hear it from the horse's mouth, mate. Uh, a final <laughs> ruling on this controversial issue. Well, well, if you are from the UK, you're going to say Derby. If you're from the US, you're going to say Derby. So and down under, you know. How, <laughs> so I mean, how do you look? I'm. I think it's Derby. Yes, but, Callum, yes. you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I'm not from I the US, so I don't. I don't think it's Derby. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, it's like Clark. How do you say? Is it Clerk or Clark? Oh, uh, never really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I think don't. It's, yeah, it's Clerk. It, absolutely. Is it, is it Clark an Gable or is it Clerk Gable? <laughs> you know, like. It doesn't think, really matter. Is it is, is a job is a job seeker or the doll? It doesn't really matter. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> we'll leave that for another time. That's right. But I think we've we've got a final ruling though. It is Derby. So yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Simo, for clarifying that uh, it, point. That's okay. That's fine. That's why I'm here. I'm the oracle. <laughs> now tell me what what's been the biggest evolution, I guess, in the sport uh, over over the past forty odd years, in your opinion. Uh, look, obviously, the, the access to, to vision, I think that's probably been probably one of the biggest things. Um, when, when the sport began, um, you know, we go back to 1927 when it actually first mechanical racing first happened in New South Wales. But if we say from the 70s onward, it would be the professionalism of the industry and the demands for it to be more professional. I think that's linked in with vision, that people are able to see it. There's much more regulation required. There's much more scrutiny of our product. So what you, we have seen from the 70s 
back when I was training dogs, you know, in the in the early 80s, etc., you could have dogs in your backyard. You know, you could have one or two dogs, three dogs in your right. in, in Mount Lawley. I always said I was the best trainer in Mount Lawley because I, <laughs> I was the only one that was there. But um, so I think what we've seen now is the the suburban trainer has either been pushed out or and the advent of the bigger kennels now. When Greyhound Racing started in 74, um, a big trainer would have been someone who might have had eight dogs, and we were racing once a week back then. You think about it now, um, there's no real small trainers, one or two dogs, or very few at least, but the big kennels, they'll have 30, 40, 50, you know, 60, 70, 80, whatever the numbers come after that. Um, And so they're they're the people who are actually bringing the dogs to the track, producing more of the product, where once upon a time, it might have been 70 trainers making up that 100 dogs. These days, you're probably finding it's 20 trainers bringing those 100 dogs to the track. That's probably one of the biggest changes that professionalism in terms of um, has the sport evolved a lot probably it's still the same basics they're jumping out of the boxes um, those box uh, may have changed in their configuration and width etc they're chasing a lure that probably hasn't changed enormously maybe the shape has but those fundamentals remain exactly the same just that the way that people uh, train their dogs and look after their dogs has improved as science and um, access to knowledge has enabled that those changes. So it was very rudimentary when we first started training dogs. We were sort of learning from, you know, books that were written, you know, 20 years before that. Um, learning from people who'd come over from the eastern states because we thought, well, they were all the brainiacs. So you know, we were spending times with methylated spirits and and rubbing dogs and massaging right. dogs by hand, but really not knowing what we were doing. These days, with all the equipment that you can have, the access to vets and science, you know, the world has you know, significantly changed in, in greyhounds. Simo, what's been your the best memory you have being in the industry for as long as you have? Uh, best memory? Look, some of the work I think that we did when Greyhounds WWA with um, Cerebral Palsy Association, so a charity aspect to the racing. And I think we were able to change people's lives um, through um, the vehicle of greyhound racing. So I think that's probably it. I think because of being involved for so long and you've seen so many um, great dogs, um, champions come and go, I wouldn't pinpoint it down to a particular dog or a person, but I'd say it'd be more the charity focus that the greyhounds has always had and our work in the community. Um, I think that's probably the, the thing I'm most proud of anyway. Do you manage to get down to the tracks often? No, I don't. Um, Greyhounds WA never invite me. They, <laughs> I'll let James Broadhurst know. They, they, yeah, James. It's always James's fault. I know. Um, not, not so much. Not so much Cannington these days. Um, in my job, I'm the executive officer of Greyhound Clubs Australia, so I have something to do with most of the Greyhound clubs around Australia. So. Whenever I'm on a plane, I'll always be at a, a dog track somewhere. So it's funny enough, I'd go to more interstate uh, race meetings than I would local, even though I'm probably only, you know, 15 minutes from the track. Well, give us a little bit of a snapshot of what the industry's like are around the nation there, mate. Uh, obviously, we, we've gone okay during this COVID period. How are the rest of the states going? Look, most states have done pretty well. Um, Tasmania jumped very early in terms of stopping racing there. Um, they stopped around about the 2nd of April. I think they announced on the 1st of April. And most people thought it was an April Fool's Day joke, but <laughs> they did stop racing until about mid-June. And they've taken a little while to get back onto their feet because, um, you know, you just can't turn on off the tap. And while those dogs lack fitness and, 
you know, there was certain un, was, it was uncertainty there for quite some time as to when it was going to return. So they're probably a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, in New South Wales, look, they were being pretty hard hit because obviously with the Ruby Princess and all the likes, so they had a fair bit of uncertainty. And Wentworth Park, which has been their mainstay track, their city track, wasn't able to race under the regional model that they had. So uh, they're now just springing back. Um, Victoria did particularly well during this period. Unfortunately, it's now come into a hurdle in the last day or two, but it's led the way in terms of uh, what to do and how to do it and, um, and full steam ahead. So they've done particularly well. South Australia probably, um, you know, has, has done its best. Queensland the same. And look, WA's done a terrific job and... Um, and hats off to the people at Rawa in terms and the clubs who have done, you know, uh, and the participants. I think one thing's happened is that we've all worked out, no matter what hat you wear in this industry, you all got to get on. And I think we've seen that. And um, yeah, WA's done particularly well. So yeah, and overall, betting turnover has been through the roof. You know, the betting through corporates and the like, um, it's certainly made up for the uh, lack of money that's been flowing through the tra- traditional tabs with the club uh, closures and tab closures. Yeah, through the retail network. Just quickly, Simo, we plenty to talk about. We do have to uh, keep it brief because uh, we've got to head to a break. But uh, Nationals, unfortunately, cancelled uh, this year due to the COVID-19 uh, scenario. But uh, good news for the for that race uh, going forward. Yeah, obviously no option with um, Sydney due to have the Nationals at the end of August this year. Just, you know, obviously too difficult with travel restrictions and the like and uh, we had a meeting with all the GCA clubs the other day and decided on a new rotation in that Victoria who was who we gazetted to run the Nationals next year anyway will pick up that mantle so they'll be at the Meadows in 2021. Uh, Wentworth Park in 2022 and Adelaide like the Adelaide Crows they get bumped back another year to 2023 and they may win a game before then too <laughs> well we certainly look forward to it obviously we had a lot of fun putting the nationals on when we had it uh, here last year so uh, you were the star james you oh, were the star stop he it. doesn't need this stop it he doesn't need this <laughs> i think you were the star anyway we'll, get, oh, okay. we'll, we'll stop uh, throwing out uh, all these uh, platitudes to each other look mate we are going to head to a break but look you're going to stick around with us aren't you because on the other side we're going to uh, we'll talk punting another area which uh, you're an expert in. Live on ACN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Live on ACN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Yes, welcome back. David Simonetti is still with us. Uh, Callum... You and Simo are going to talk to us about uh, punting, the ins and outs of it. Uh, and today, guys, we're having a look at novelty betting, something we haven't really covered uh, on the show previously. Obviously, uh, I reckon, Simo, the best way to get returns is, uh, mm-hmm. is or to get big returns, right, with, with novelty betting. I just remember the days uh, when we were doing Punters Club at uh, Cangton on a Wednesday night. Dennis and I would fiddle around uh, and and get get uh, get small returns, if any returns, and you would come on and nail these trifectas and quartets, and uh, you'd you'd land big returns for the punters. Uh, and, and we were always envious as to how you could do that. 
<laughs> um, uh, look, I think your, your memory is, is diluted <laughs> a bit over jaded. time. Oh, uh, a bit, bit rose-coloured. Yeah, <laughs> Gee, we had some tough times in the Punters Club on some nights. You're right. Look, uh, a, a trifecta or a first four that lands with a, with the ruffies in the right spot um, can give you an enormous result. And um, for a small punter who just wants to sort of speculate, I think um, there's certainly a place for those novelties. Um, a lot of the pro punters will prefer to sort of take the fixed odds um, because you know exactly what you're going to be receiving. And if you're doing um, form, and I know Cal does a lot of form and does his own markets, he, he'll only back, and it was a little bit like my, myself when, when I'm punting, you'll only really back um, dogs when you know it's the right value. And at least with fixed, you know that in a novelty situation where it's a pool system, you know, people betting into a pool and the number of winning uh, tickets divides into the pool and that gives you your, your dividend. You don't know what that's going to be. So there's always that element of surprise. And a lot of punters like that because they get a couple of thrills. They get to see their dogs run one, two, three across the line and then they get a, a 30 second break of all excitement and hope that it's going to pay really well and then they can vent if it pays poorly and, and celebrate if it pays over. So, um, so look, there is a place for novelties. Um, Sometimes with the novelties, the big punters don't like to play into the pools because there's a fairly big takeout um, for the, for the tab itself. Um, can be somewhere between 20 and 25 percent, where a normal win and place is around about 12 percent. And if you're betting fixed, well, it's whatever the book guarantees. So, um, from a pure uh, value perspective, if you're serious, maybe novelties is not the way to go. But as we started at the before my little rant here, um, you can jag a big one, which is always nice. Now, I'm not a big novelty player, but I do have the occasional quaddy. I think it's very good, um, especially if you're down on the track to have a quaddy. You get four races. You can go as wide as you want and as short as you want. I think it's a good way of having one bet across the four races, and you can cheer home a few dogs. Any tips for people that want to have a quaddy out there? Well, I think that's a really good point. Last night's early quaddy, for instance, um, paid $1,600 for a dollar unit. And if you'd had those four winners, the first four winners, all up, you would receive $400. So it's quite a sizable 300% increase on what you should have received. On the normal quaddy last night, they paid about right. The pool paid about the same as what the uh, uh, the all up would have been. So, um, yeah, look, I think I think quaddies are certainly uh, you know, worth a spec, but I would certainly be very careful um, that you don't miss the winners along the way, um, especially if you're getting to the third and fourth leg and you think oh, I've got the quaddy running for me and then suddenly a surprise happens in the third or fourth leg unless you want to save into that. Um, I think with uh, trifectas and first fours, um, I like playing the field, especially in uh, races that are over a short distance because obviously in the short distance races, sometimes the uh, interference really dictates the result, um, certainly for the place getters, where in a longer race, the better dogs can still sort of recover from a bump or two and, and run into the places. So I think in a um, my tip, if you were playing uh, novelties, is always have the field for third and fourth in your, your tries and your first four, respectively, over short course races. And um, that's probably how I would prefer to play those sort of events. And if you can get... You know, a, a 30 or 40 to one that runs in the right spot. Um, you've, always, you've always got a nice chance. If you can risk the favourite, it's always a nice way to go. And just as a general rule, if, you, if you're choosing between a couple of dogs and one of those dogs is box number one, 
I tend to leave, if of you thinking they're of equal rating and ability, I'd leave the box one out because whenever a, a box one uh, lobs in a trifecta or a first four, you can always know that your dividend's going to be cut because people always go to the toppy when they're, when they're unsure or the first thing they do is always at the start of the, the bet, throw the one in. So I'd leave the one out if you, if you possibly can. But also, by the same token, maybe as a saver, you leave on the other flip side. You might leave the one in as a saver. Well, you, you can do. Um, it's just that normally, what would happen, uh, the dividend, because it's just a popular number to have in there, the dividend sometimes gets um, shaved down to the fact that it's just been number one. Where you'll find, if you have a reserve, and if a reserve can end up in the top three and four. You often get a, uh, a get a bit of an, uh, a bump up as well with the value. That's just the way I've I've seen it. I don't I haven't done the stats on that officially, but that would just be my gut feel on that. I think also another good one for the punters out there is in the last leg of the quaddy. I would always tend to go relatively short. Um, yes. Uh, the theory of that is that you have the fixed odds there that you can save other runners if it uh, if the time comes to it, and you obviously can be more adaptable in that sense. Rather than going a field in the last league, I think you'd be better off uh, picking your way through, picking the runners you like, and having it narrow, and so you can save them uh, based on the fixed odds. Absolutely, and I think that's a really good way of playing it. And I think that's how I've always played it as well, because you can. Uh, with the um, quaddy, you always know what the dividends will be. They'll always release it, you know, 15 minutes before the uh, race being run, so you know what you can have. With the fixed odds, you can always um, bet back and um, try to win a certain amount of money rather than just letting it be all or nothing. So um, I, that's a, that's the way the pros will play it, and it's about probably it's about as, punting is as much about trying to negate your losers, trying to cut your losers out as much as it is to find winners, which I mean, it seems strange, but a lot of people will just keep wedge betting because, you know, that's the way they go and they really like something later in the program. But by the time they've got there, they've already had four or five bets or four, you know, 14 or 15 bets along the <laughs> way. And you've knocked off your bank or your mindset changes. And I think if you can be disciplined and take punting, for what it is, it's it's risk. It's all about risk analysis. Um, I think it's the way to go. But um, yeah, speculation is always always fun too, as long as you uh, you do it in moderation. How's uh, just quickly, Simo? How's your punting going at the moment? Getting many oh, winners? Oh, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Living in my car at the moment. It's a nice car though. I've got a Maserati, so it's all it's all it's all good. Uh, really, not doing a lot um, with um, with my job. Certainly, I decided to give away the sort of more the pro punting thing, which I did for about three or four years uh, because I was just travelling all the time. And one of the things with punting, you have to really you know put in heaps of work with the video, heaps of work with. Um, you need your computer. And, well, I used to have a scrapbook a little bit like Cal, actually. Um, but you need to be there guy. to... Mm. Yeah, the, the price of scrapbooks, Cal. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, we, we can see similar uh, Rain Man-type traits in both of you guys, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Simo. Other... <laughs> yeah, go quickly. I, I was going to say, the other thing is you need to be able to have done your form early, get your prices early, and um, if you're travelling and, and, and things like that, you haven't got the, those opportunities, so they pass you by. Cal is nodding in agreement. Hey, listen, thanks for sticking around. Great uh, to get that insight there. Hopefully that's helped uh, a lot of the punters out there. Simo, fantastic to speak to you, mate. Uh, we'll catch up uh, with you uh, down the track sometime. Pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Simo. Thank you.
All right. Uh, after the break, we're going to be looking at what happened at Cannington last night and uh, looking ahead to tonight's meeting at Mandra. Live on SEN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Live on SEN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche. Welcome back to the show. Now, usually in this part of the show, we get David Short, but he he's taken a, a little trip away. He's taken well-earned break, yeah. Well-earned breaks. But we do have Callum Robson. Cal, let's talk about last night's racing at Cannington. Anything to that stood out to you? Yeah, there was a couple of good wins there. I thought Hairpin Trigger and the Maiden was a very good win. I thought the run home was very impressive. 11.23, look for this dog up in distance. I think it'll be winning again. A dog on, uh, I think, is going absolutely massive is Rambo's boy. Really good win. Did it the hard way, looping around the field and ran 29.87, which is absolutely lightning time. I think this dog could potentially get over further as well, and I think he's getting better and better with racing. Uh, heaps of Kuna was good over the 380 again, running 21.74. Uh, a very good dog, is very consistent at the start, gets to the lead and can run good time. Um, and one to follow just over the 600, Virginia Gundy, although didn't get anywhere near them last night, was a bit unlucky, and I thought this dog will probably go around around $40 next start. Hopefully they keep it over 600 and can definitely bow up at odds. How many starts are we going to have to be on uh, Virginia Gundy before we see a return here? Uh, potentially quite a few, maybe the next five or so, but I can't imagine this dog's going to go around short price. So I think you'll get good odds every time, and I think it will definitely bob up in one of these races. All right. You mentioned uh, Hairpin Trigon there, of course, winning the maiden for Jamie Marsh. I think we can officially the say curse the curse has been lifted. Has lifted because uh, Scootaloo also uh, winning last night, uh, going to its third win in a row. Probably the best of the three so far, 29.87, uh, holding out Burswood Bandit there. So... Good news for Jamie Marsh. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that because apparently I was the curse. <laughs> the curse well, I, that's I've right. heard they're not on speaking terms, so hopefully they come back now <laughs> on speaking right. terms right now. Anyway, Thursday that's night. Right. Uh, uh, just quickly, though, Rambo's boy you mentioned as well, Cal. Uh, had a quick chat to Graham Cradelli after the race. Yeah, same assessment as yours. Very happy with the Greyhound. Thinks there's a lot of improvement in the dog and indeed the litter, of course, historic time going around in, in the West Chase as well. So... The Crudelli's amped on uh, Rambo's he, He's probably said, don't let Lex around to my uh, property. <laughs> yes, too. So that's going. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, into tonight, Cal, Thursday, we got race eight, box one, son of Jamaica. Yeah, it's a very intriguing runner. Obviously, over the 490 for the first distance. Um, I'm surprised it's stepping up in distance here. I think it's a dog that's not going to get the 490 um, at all. Well, look, form is good, Cal. But you look at the you look at the last start over 405 for all those replay watches, and it is it starts slowing down the line. You can definitely see a change in stride late on over the 405. So I'll be interested to see what it does over the 490. I know it's come up very short. Um, I'll certainly be taking it on. Um, it, the, the query is that it could string them out so far that it could break a couple of dogs' hearts and some might be not chasing. But it's a dog that we've mentioned on this show quite a lot of time that I'll be, I'll be tipping here, and it's Harper's Hero. Um, mm. He's a dog that can get in front of the six and the seven early, get in behind the speed and will absolutely fly home. This dog can run home in really good sectionals. I think it's a dog on the up, and I think it's a dog for the future. You're getting a decent price to find out, and that's the way I'll be um, betting. In race eight there, what about uh, some of the other ones to look out for tonight? Uh, some of the other ones, I'm really keen race five, Cheeky Ricky. Now, this dog's perfectly drawn out wide. Uh, we'll use the track. Westdale Misty in six is a slow beginner, and my way should stay straight. So Cheeky Ricky can muster up. I think it's probably your early leader here, and it can run the quickest time in the race. Um, to me, that seems like a winner. 
in the other races, I was keen on uh, Hazelhurst and the free-for-all each way. Now, this is obviously controversial. We see the uh, usual dogs in one last hurrah and Oriental Island going around. Hazelhurst has been in really good form. It's a dog that tends to jump from the inside as well. I think can get out there and match them early with the with the usual suspects in free-for-all level and can run really good time. I think uh, top three, I think it's a great bet. And uh, just one other race, race, where are we? Race uh, six, number one, Dandelup Sprite. This dog's been racing in free-for-all against the best dogs we have over the 302. Now drops back to a grade four, gets box one. I think it can boot up and lead, and it's a dog that can go very quick. Um, even though it says it come, it's been coming out last, it's actually been coming out really well in the free-for-all, just not getting across. And I think from box one, should get the right run, and I think it's the best dog in the race. Uh, Callum got a couple of tips for us over the weekend. Let's go to Friday night. Yeah, so Friday night, race five, number eight, Kings Bay Peter. We tipped this one last week, but obviously the races were called off, so uh, Kings Bay Peter didn't get to show his brilliance. He gets box eight again here. It's the same again. We'll stay wide. I've been waiting for this dog over four or five from box eight. And the mighty race seven, number one, Buster the Brute. Uh, dun, 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 there it is. <laughs> You've left it late, but you brought it in. <laughs> uh, what uh, what uh, box did uh, Buster get this week, man? Uh, box one, which is always... Uh, <laughs> oh, box one. <laughs> which is always good. Shocker. Uh, shame about there being no free-for-all over the 490 or 520 this week, but um, he gets 405 box one. So although the money isn't as good as over the 405, we'll just have to cop it. We'll, we'll uh, get to that next week. Yeah, Tom's indeed. got a few things to say about you're, that. You're going to solve all the issues of, of greyhound racing. racing yeah, uh, what about Flake Manelli? Not in your to look out? No, I think it'll be too short. Well, but, it seems to be the stars are aligning for this dog. Yeah, but there are a couple of dogs to follow just quickly. Uh, He's My Mac and Moontime both come out at the same race, both missed the start. And He's My Mac ran home in 10.95, which is absolutely flying. And Moontime ran home in 11.02. Both can get the start right next start and be in the uh, finish historic time, as I said earlier. Best of the night, 11.22 running home. Uh, It's a dog that's still learning his trade. Can show good early speed. I think it's a great place bet on Saturday night. And I know one that James is keen on, laid back Albert. Not Not suited over the 302. Missed the start and ran home really well. And if you go watch the replay, go have a look at past the post. Absolutely flies. Now goes up to box uh, box one over 405 and can certainly uh, be in the finish. I'm on the Albert train as well. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. That is it. We'll catch you next week on Go Greyhounds. Live on ACN Track, you're listening to Go Greyhounds with James Broadhurst and Alexia Peche.